Our scripture reading today is from uh, James 1, uh, 16 to 27. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect good, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of the truth, that we may be the kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks in his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Pastor Will. Great. Thanks for that, Rachel. Uh, I have the, uh, the distinct pleasure of uh, bringing my kids into the world, um, teaching them about the world, teaching them uh, about God, and teaching them about the English language, which is sometimes a, a tricky proposition. And this isn't just uh, for parents and teachers of children. Uh, when you meet uh, people for whom English isn't their first language, uh, you get a very similar uh, experience. I remember when I was in Korea, there would be, uh, we would, it might be church, it might be a, a meeting of, of just people hanging out, and there were times I was sitting there and the room was full of people laughing, laughing so hard they were almost falling off their chairs. Someone would, would turn to us and explain through their own tears what was so funny, what had been said that was so funny. And it was never funny. It was never worth the work of the person explaining it uh, to me, and never worth my work of trying to understand it. Uh, but when I'm hanging out with my kids, uh, whether it's watching a movie or just driving around and they, and they see advertisements, or just walking around on, on t-shirts, uh, every now and then there's, there's a, just a, a little joke. Uh, it might be a play on words, it might be a, a funny picture. Well, a lot of times to understand a joke, you need to be able to kind of see things from, from two different meanings. Uh, and then there's kind of a contrast, and then, and then there's the joke. But to unpack it takes a lot of work. So, for example, there's the old, old joke, probably not funny anymore. Uh, a horse walks into a bar, and the bartender says, why the long face? We, you know, we've, uh, some of us have, have heard this before. Now, if I told that to my kids, they probably wouldn't think it was funny at all. Uh, I don't tell my kids jokes about going to a bar, but um, if I did, they would immediately have questions. 
Especially if we were in a situation where they heard the joke and other people laughed. Like, what, what's so funny? And then they would ask, uh, like they would understand the horse has a long face, that part makes sense. But why would the bartender ask that? Right? And, and, and then I said, well, it just kind of works for the joke. Like, well, why was the horse in the bar in the first place? <laughs> well, yeah, see, it, you know, I'd have to explain. It's not real. It's not really a real thing. It just, it works for the joke. And then I, okay, well, and bartenders would sometimes, people would go into a bar because they're not happy, and then the bartender would ask why they're not happy in the way that they used to, kind of an old-timey way of saying it is why the long face. Right? All of that work just to get a little chuckle. Maybe to get a chuckle. And what I have to do is I have to paint a big picture of the world, the imaginary world in which this joke makes sense. And then the contrast between that world and our world is where the, the comedy is. Right? And so jokes aren't supposed to take a lot of thinking. It's just supposed to be silly humor. But a lot of times when you hear a joke, you, you enjoy it because you are able to picture that world and the contrast between that one and ours. Now, one of the, one of the central questions, I believe, uh, about life, about life on, on this earth, uh, is the nature of evil. Uh, and depending on what you believe about evil... Uh, people will be able to kind of perceive that in you. Now, when we think about uh, evil from a religious context, uh, there are a few different ways that, that this is done. Uh, there are a number of people who really don't believe that there's evil at all. Uh, really, we don't need to make rules. There's really no uh, bad. There's just kind of uh, you know, momentary bad decisions, um, there's, uh, you know, lapses in judgment, uh, <clears throat> there are sort of people who are hardwired through previous uh, harm and pain that they've experienced to act a certain way, but really there's no, no such thing as evil. Now that's, uh, you can see that as an academic worldview, that's the way their mind thinks. And, in, and if this is just someone sitting down for coffee with you, well, then it doesn't really matter. This is just an exchange of ideas. But if this is somebody that you're dealing with, uh, then pretty soon their understanding of evil will reveal itself. Uh, so if, if these people are... Uh, at the grocery store with you at the same time, and they're with kids, well, that'll very quickly reveal itself that the kid is running around and screaming and throwing stuff on the floor, and if the parent does nothing to stop them, uh, leaves the mess behind, and doesn't even explain to the child that that's bad behavior, you can see that their understanding of evil, of, of, of sin, um, is really that this isn't bad. And so it kind of reveals itself in that sense that there's no accountability, there's no uh, flexibility, there's no responsibility to other people. Uh, there's, there's another one which is, is probably the most common in our world, which is that uh, evil is really in your own kind of interpretation. And so you can do what you want 
uh, you avoid the evil that you want, the other person will avoid the evils that they want, and everybody gets along fine. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of people sort of function like that, so then if you ever would say to somebody like that, uh, hey, why is your kid throwing cereal boxes on the floor at the grocery store? You'd say, who are you to raise my kids? Right? You can keep your own sense of evil to yourself. I will operate with my sense of evil, and we will not let those spheres overlap. Right? And, and so uh, those people can still be quite judgmental of other people because they have a sense of evil, but they just don't want anybody else to impose a different sense of evil on them. Uh, and then you swing it all the way to the other side, and then you find people who think that at some level everything is evil. And you probably know some of these people. There are uh, religious uh, traditionalists, conservative people who have withdrawn themselves from society. It would be evil to wear clothes with buttons. It would be evil to uh, drive uh, vehicles at all. It would be evil to... Uh, <clears throat> we can make a long list of all of the things that would be evil within certain religious perspectives. And so these people build a worldview of rules upon rules upon rules in an attempt to avoid doing evil. Now, you can see that there are merit in all of these decisions. Um, if, if you believe there's no evil in the world, a lot of times that's rooted in seeing the goodness in each person. And at that level, I don't have a problem with it. I believe that God has given us goodness. And it's, it's helpful and productive in friendships, relationships, and just meeting strangers to, to build off of the fundamental understanding that there is goodness in this person. And when we do that, we, we have building blocks for a relationship. And uh, there's, there's a sense that in, in the second model that I said... Uh, that our own sense of evil is sometimes connected to our own problematic patterns. And so if somebody has uh, developed a pattern of, uh, let's say, every time that they sit down to watch Netflix, uh, they can't move for four hours. They're just going to sit there and waste their day away. So if somebody like that might come to a conviction, I'm wasting too much of my time doing this, I cannot watch Netflix anymore. Well, then when you invite that person over to your house, you can't just say, hey, let's uh, watch Netflix. Because for them, that's not something that they can handle. Right? And so that's something that you can imagine would work well if they take ownership of their sense of evil, you take ownership of, of your sense of evil, and you can kind of work together. Now, even in, in the uh, example where almost everything is perceived to be evil, there's still a quest for goodness. There's still a quest to uh, rid yourself of all evil. And if we can avoid watching the wrong TV programs, if we can avoid uh, buying the wrong kind of food, if we can avoid supporting the wrong kind of political party, then all of a sudden uh, we can create this harmonious world, or at least a harmonious home and then our harmony can kind of ring out into the world. So pursuing goodness and pursuing harmony is, is a good thing. Uh, but there are obvious uh, pitfalls of that 
of that worldview. And so when Jesus steps into the story uh, that Rachel read for the children's, uh, children's story, then this is what he is coming up against. The Pharisees are experts in religious law. And so they are expecting everybody else to value the same sense of evil that they have. And they have a long list of rules. And anybody who breaks those rules and doesn't feel bad about it must have been given over to evil at some level. And so the Pharisees then are always watching other people to see who's breaking the rules. And the disciples, they're not washing their hands. There's, there's a ceremonial way that we wash our hands, guys. There's, there's a method by which we remove the impurities of our hands, and it's symbolic of the impurities. We have to remove the impurity. What, if you're going to eat without doing that, do you even know the law? Do you even love the law? Do you even love God? Right? This is the Pharisaic way of thinking. That in these laws we find salvation because by following these laws we remove ourselves from the evil world. But Jesus calls that out. Jesus explains to them, no, listen, guys, that's not where the evil comes from. And so Jesus is talking as much about uh, food, uh, other foods, as he is about hands. Uh, but this is sort of their understanding, that these are the evil things, um, and we don't eat those so that we can be good. So that we can be good. <clears throat> In some ways, though, these really need to be separate, avoiding evil and being good. Because sometimes we mistake the two, right? The people who will say we have a long list of rules and if we follow those, then we can be holy. Well, then they're only focusing on avoiding evil. And the people way on the other side who say there really is no evil in the world, they are still good people in a lot of ways, but they have forgotten about the avoiding evil. There are a lot of times when we assume we are doing good, we can still commit harm when we, when we have that mindset. We have to kind of bring those together. So when Jesus explains to them, hey, listen, you have rules about hands and cups and jugs and beds and food, all of these rules were, were central to how the Pharisees understood God. But it isn't the whole story. That's only avoiding evil. We have to go beyond that to do good. A uh, little later on in, in the story, uh, <clears throat> the disciples come back to Jesus. They have questions. They want, they want clarity. And then Jesus repeats, nothing outside of a person can enter and contaminate a person in God's sight. Rather, the things that come out of a person contaminate the person. Right? So the Pharisees sort of had this thinking that if, if each of us follows these rules, if, if we as a whole nation follow these rules, God will love us, God will bless us, and we will become strong. And this happens a lot of times in, uh, in families, too, that we feel like, well, my, my mom and dad have these rules that I have to follow, and if I follow them, then my parents will love me. 
And if you've been on the flip side of that, you know how ridiculous that is. That we love our children, we love our nieces and nephews, we love the the children in our life, regardless, regardless of if they do good, regardless of if they're avoiding the kinds of evil that that we want them to. And and so this is the same kind of thing that Jesus is, hey, there's nothing out there that's going to make you bad enough that God doesn't love you. There's no, there's no food impure enough. There's no cup dirty enough. Uh, there's no hand dirty enough that it will make you dirty on the inside and unlovable. And Jesus goes on to say, It's from the inside, from the human heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual sins, thefts, murders, adultery, greed, evil actions, deceit, unrestrained immorality, envy, insults, arrogance, foolishness. All these evil things come from inside and contaminate a person in God's sight. Jesus gives a list of uh, sins, in some ways gives a list of rules that people will also need to follow. People need to know that they need to avoid these things, but you can't really put rules around that. You can't make a rule to not be greedy. Because you can have a greedy mindset without actually doing greedy actions. And a greedy mindset is just as big a problem as greedy actions. You can make rules about a lot of things, but you can't make rules around the way that people think. So when Jesus says that envy, unrestrained immorality, and arrogance are signs of evil. We can't make rules about not being envious, about not thinking enviously, because there's no way to measure that. But the Pharisees have created measurable rules, and that's what they're watching for. They're watching everybody else to see if they are eating the right food, if they are participating in the right rituals and saying the right words. But they're not focusing on themselves. Uh, I, I watch more kids' TV shows than I want to. Uh, and if you want to uh, have a, a, a fun rant with, with young parents, um, ask them about the TV shows their kids watch, and they can complain for hours. I, I've, I've done it, and I've heard it. <clears throat> but my kids have started watching a, a new show. Um, it's called Miraculous. Um, and it's one of these shows that it kind of exists in this weird, bizarre, bizarre world, like I was mentioning before. Uh, so the idea of this world is that there are two kids, a boy and a girl, they're about 13 years old, and they have superpowers. They have secret identities. Nobody knows that they have secret powers. But whenever a crisis comes up, and there just is always a crisis... Uh, then they sneak off and and they don't know who the other person's secret identity is either. Then they they run off to their secret place, magically transform into the superhero, and then go and save the day. Uh, But what's interesting about the show is is the way that these crises appear. Uh, So in this this world, uh, there's this uh, evil villain named Hawk Moth. I don't know where the name comes from, Uh, but he lives in a tower and there's always these moths and butterflies 
um, kind of floating around. And he is somehow able to read the minds of people in the city. And um, at some point in the show, every episode pretty much follows the same pattern. That's kind of how kids' shows work. At, at the beginning of the show, somebody has been slighted. Somebody has been mistreated, and they get angry. And they're so angry that it somehow sends out a vibe that Hawk Moth is able to read, and then he can communicate to them in their anger. And he gives them instructions about what kind of, uh, what kind of destruction and damage they're supposed to do. And then they... So then one of the little moths or butterflies kind of flies out, uh, finds this angry person, and then gives them superpowers, but like evil superpowers. And then they start wrecking stuff and hurting people and whatever. So then the good guys step up. <clears throat> and so this, the, wor the way that this uh, world presents evil, I find fascinating. So here are uh, these people who have been uh, victimized, sometimes they've had something stolen from them, sometimes they've just been ignored, uh, sometimes they are, uh, somebody else gets the promotion instead of them, and then they just get really, really mad, and then they become this evil supervillain. It's, it's a bizarre world, but I, the, the moral that it communicates, I think, is, is really fascinating. That these people, by dwelling on their anger, dwelling on their, business, uh, their, uh, their bitterness, uh, put themselves in a position to be consumed by that. And then they set out to, to make things right on their own, using their own sense of good. Uh, so it's this, this bizarre moral that's being communicated, I think powerful moral, and then I was asking, so I was talking to the kids, and I said, so how do people uh, turn evil And they said, in the show? And, and they said, well, they, they just, I, they get really mad. Uh, <clears throat> so do you think that maybe it's kind of saying that you guys shouldn't get really mad like that? And like, oh, yeah, we never <laughs> thought about it. What do you mean you never thought about it? That's what the show is doing every week. Uh, but it's, we don't always absorb uh, the morals that we're supposed to. In the book of James, uh, which was the, the scripture you heard before the sermon, uh, the writer is, is covering the same uh, idea. Uh, so at the end, he's talking about uh, good and uh, valuable religion or, or devotion, depending on the translation that you're looking at. So I have the, the common English here. It says, true devotion, the kind that is pure and faultless before God the Father is this to care for orphans and widows in their difficulties, and to keep the world from contaminating us. So James is holding up these two sides of the, of the same uh, conflict, the same struggle that we feel. That in order to be good, we have to do good actions. We have to find people who need help and help them. We need to uh, find people who are poor and give them um, what they need. We need to find people who are lonely and spend time with them. And at the same time, there is evil in the world and we have to make sure we are avoiding it. And so how do we do that? Well, part of that is being on the lookout. This is a very proactive call that James gives us. 
There is evil in the world. Where is it? Well, I could tell you a few places. I could tell you some of the big pictures of of evil in the world. There is evil and greed all around us. There is a mindset that acquiring money is worthwhile no matter how you get it. That is evil. Uh, There is a mindset that you are in this life on your own and you're responsible to nobody else. That is evil. But in your life, there are particular evils that you are far more aware of and far better at calling out than I am from up here from my own perspective. And so that is your task, to be aware of that. Where is that evil? Who is committing evil in your life? Are you on their side or are you on the side of their victims? It isn't enough to just make a list of rules for ourselves. We need to be on the lookout. We need to be on the lookout for the evil that we are being tempted to do and the evil that is being done in front of us so that we can fight against it. So how do we rid ourselves of that evil? How do we purify ourselves? Well, part of it is what I was mentioning before about mindsets. It isn't enough uh, to just, well, I don't ever act on my greed. Well, still you need to get rid of your greed. Because from a position of greed, you will very quickly feel like you deserve extra things. You'll start to resent and hate the people who have the things that you want. And so then that mindset of greed will very quickly produce other sinful actions, even if um, the greed itself doesn't make greedy actions. Uh, And there are sometimes situations where we surround ourselves with people who have a different uh, sense of good and evil. Now that doesn't mean uh, that we shouldn't hang out with people who have different values from us. I think we can learn a lot from other people. But when we're surrounded by people who don't value the same things that we do, then that will eat away at our sense of good as well. And so when when we believe in charity, when we believe in uh, receiving refugees and newcomers into this country, and we surround ourselves with friends who think we should close off the borders, when we surround ourselves with people who don't believe that there are uh, refugees with legitimate reasons to flee their country, when, when we fill our ears and our mind with angry negative messages in the media against refugees, well then that evil, and I believe it is evil, that evil contaminates us. And it makes us think only about ourselves and protecting what we have in our comfort. And it makes us ignore the evil that is happening in other countries and in other places. All these evil things, they come from inside. Uh, The things, the list that Jesus gives, those are things that come from inside the human heart. But the things that we need to avoid are those thoughts, those sentiments, those, those mindsets Uh, that turn us inwards and make us selfish and greedy. It isn't going to be the food. It isn't going to be the unwashed hands that contaminate us. Those aren't rules that we struggle with. 
but we do have other rules in place. We too become like Pharisees where we impose rules on other people and we don't want them uh, imposed on us. But in the quest for good, in the quest for good that all of us are participating and need to participate in as part of our ongoing uh, devotion to God, that it isn't enough to just know that there are instructions to do good. It isn't enough to just have those rules for other people. We need to take on a mindset opposite to the evil. We need to take a mindset of good, a mindset of generosity, a mindset of hospitality, a mindset of love. And when we do this, there is no room for evil anymore. And it isn't a one-time decision, it is an ongoing decision. An ongoing decision to live like Jesus, to live guided by love, guided by hope, guided by peace. So let, us, let that be our mindset as we seek to follow Jesus' teachings in our world. Amen.